Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Hello, everybody. Here we are. Hey, Marka. Who is here? Here are some ghosts. Some ghosts. <laughs> of holidays past. Ah, love it. I was going to ask that. Which ghost are you? you know, from the past, the present, or the future? In, in between. Can't, can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. You're lost in space and time. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a parallel universe. So I'm present, but also it's one of the part of the multiverse. So. T- tell us about it. Is it better <laughs> or just different than the one you know? It's, well, I, I'm actually coming from the timeline that uh, COVID didn't actually escape. Ah, so, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. it's, <laughs> that's a, it's a, good a pretty one. cool timeline. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I tend to forget about that sometimes, you know, like I watch a movie or, or something and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, they're in an airport, they're not wearing masks, what the hell, that's dangerous, and that's how brainwashed I am with this thing. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it in a bottle with a, uh, with a cap on it? It is. It's it's like, you know, at the end of Contagion when they like take the virus and they put it in the deep freeze and then it just sits there for eternity. Um that's although I suppose it could be a sequel. Exactly. Uh, that, <laughs> I was like, that's no better setting than that. It's like when they when they get the bad the guy, they put it in jail and it's like the super perfect jail and then yeah, they're not escape from it. I so when uh, when Star Wars came out, I think I was like twelve or thirteen, so I was pretty young, and I was at that stage when I hadn't learned all the tricks yet. And my dad took me to go see Star Wars, and when Darth Vader's spinning out in the pod, my father just goes sequel. <laughs> and I was like, how did he know? <laughs> and at that time, wasn't was that many sequel at that time already? Because I feel like the sequel time started like in the 80s. I think you're right. I think Star Wars, because that was part of the big deal, was George Lucas yeah. said, oh, this is episode four, because there's like the beginning and the end, oh, yeah. and there were three in this middle part, and we were all like, <gasps> You kind of knew it was a trilogy already. Yeah. So, we had a very weird timeline, which I still try to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, yeah. it's all figured out. Yeah. Sean, are you a Star Wars fan? Are you... I am, yeah. yeah. Why are you more a Trekkie? No, nah, definitely Star Wars over Trek. There you go. Does yeah, it does, yeah. you. does it have to be one or the other? Well, so I I was I never. So. I mean, I enjoyed Star Trek. I I admit that like the Triffids, the Triffids were that. No, the. Oh, and no, I don't remember those little fuzzy things. I really liked them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tribbles. Tribbles. Fuzzy things. Okay, we all do. I, Girls, I did. I liked them. I liked, uh, you know, I, I, I thought James Tiberius Kirk was a pretty cool captain. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed Chekhov's navigation. Um, so, I, you know, I was I was okay with Star Trek. And it's just Star Wars is very different. Like, it seems weird to me when people have to say, well, I like one or the other. It's, it's like when people find out that we have dogs and cats, they're like, how can they coexist? And don't you like one more than the other? And it's like, there's no, <laughs> they're just different. We go back to it's it, it's easy to get black and white and and good and bad and nothing in between. It's a it's an easy life if you yeah. I, I like I like that you have cats and dogs. But so I, when it rains, you can actually say it rains cats and dogs. 
That's true, because it just rains <laughs> in the house. Although today, I got to say, it was uh, pretty pretty fun because we're off. So we're off today, and we're, we're spending time on the couch reading and and watching some TV. And and my dog came up on the couch, and she wanted to sit next to me, but my one of my cats was already in my lap. And she just started slapping Nora. <laughs> just slapping her. She was doing like a two paw slap, you know. I had to like wow. restrain her. She's this little five pound cat, and Nora's like a fifty pound dog. But I had to rein her in because she was she was getting a little aggressive there. <laughs> Incident free, hopefully. Yes, yeah. She didn't have claws out or anything, so there was no. It was more. Um, I just, I think it, it hurts Nora's feelings. It doesn't physically hurt her, but you can tell just emotionally, she doesn't like getting slapped by a cat. Yeah. I love how we always talk a little bit about movies and, and TV shows, and then a little bit of animals and cats and dogs. It's kind of like our signature. And then we dive in into, into technology, but I have this it. feeling today, Sean, from, from the name that we have pick the the, the the nicknames here that we're probably going to talk about holiday stuff. I don't know. No. What's your feeling about it? <laughs> Why should we anyways? <laughs> not that we're near the holiday or anything. We're not. Yeah. And I always like to be careful, right? I mean, not, not everybody it's, it's a, uh, it's a uh, celebrating Christmas, but we, we do refer to the spirit of the year as a holiday. Um, I think worldwide there is something for everyone a little bit earlier, a little bit after. Um, so whatever you celebrate, we we want to share that that cheer. I guess we'll try. Exactly the the season of lights, right? As we go through the winter solstice and this hemisphere, and um, you know we have the shortest day of the year. Yeah, there are many many celebrations of light. Yep, that's true. That's true. And I've spent Christmas in Florida. It doesn't really feel like uh, like Christmas, <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> or uh, actually, I spent it down in uh, in Paraguay as well, which is really cool and really pretty hot too. So everybody has different ways to celebrate, and they're all good. They're all exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That one. Uh, except for one. <laughs> which, which one is the wrong way to I, I can't i can't remember when I, when, I, when I pop out of the ghost of past present or future i'll figure it out that's all which way is the wrong way to celebrate i feel i feel like sean is already started with a head nod or i don't know <laughs> what kind of clone do you have here sean is it is it drunk sean <laughs> it's uh, i think that's the one <laughs> all right then you, you you know what? I'll I'll let you I'll let you the microphone. You you drive, bring us wherever <laughs> wherever you want to go. Well, I think I think we stick with tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So yeah, mine has to do, as you can imagine, with the big big bang, um, and it's about a telescope, a very big telescope. But I also had a, a sort of one of my favorite big bang stories happened at the, the RSA conference, which is top of mind now, because for anybody that's in security that's listening, uh, you know that as of yesterday, because we're right before um, the 25th, but as of yesterday, I think it was, it was December 22nd, unfortunately, RSA had to postpone from its planned February time. Yep, we got June. the memo. So for those of us that are that are, that attend and wait every year, it was, it was a little bit disappointing to find out. But one of my favorite times at RSA ever was when Simon Singh, who's an incredible physicist from the UK and has written such great books that I highly recommend as uh, Mathematics and the Simpsons, where he goes through <laughs> the entire Simpsons series and pulls out all of the math Easter eggs. Apparently there are a number of mathematicians who write, comic mathematicians who write for the Simpsons. So he hmm. pulls out a lot of really great math Easter eggs that are hidden throughout the Simpsons. He's also very well known for writing the code book, which is an incredible history of cryptography. And he also wrote a book called The Big Bang which is about the origins of the universe and is, again, he just has this incredible way of describing things that feel very accessible, even though they're tough math 
uh, you know, math or science. And actually, when I met, I, I got to meet him luckily at one point. And, and when I met him, I was talking to him about calculus because, you know, his, his math books. And I said, calculus, I can't figure it out. I don't, I just don't understand it. And there was just, just look of brokenheartedness on his face where he was like, you haven't had the right teacher. You know, he just loves math so much. So he was there to talk about math and the Big Bang at RSA one year. And I think that RSA had signed him up to be a keynote speaker. Again, big security conference for anybody who isn't who doesn't go to RSA. Um, they had signed him because on the because of the code book, which was the history of cryptography. And he gets up there because he had just written the Big Bang book. And he starts talking about how the universe was created, which kind of wasn't the target audience for the, for for a keynote at RSA. So I, I, I absolutely loved it, but I kind of felt for Simon Singh because I don't think that he had his, his core audience that day. But if you were interested in The Big Bang, it's a, it's a great book and a great read on how things got started. And if he was gonna be writing it in the next six months or year, I bet it would be significantly different or would have significantly new updates and information about what actually happened in The Big Bang because on the 25th of December, so two days from now, a $10 billion telescope called the James Webb Space Telescope is going to be launched into space. It's launching from French Guiana um, on the northeast shoulder of South America, and it's going to go up into space and travel. Uh, it's going to go a, a million miles from Earth, which is four times farther than the moon is from us. And it'll take about um, 29 days to get into its uh, 29 days to get into the unique orbit, and then it's gonna get out there. Um, it's folded up uh, on on itself right now, so it's sort of this little like compact uh, package that's gonna go up in an Ariane 5 rocket. But as it goes out past the Earth's gravity, it's gonna start opening up into the largest telescope ever built, I believe, um, from, from what I'm reading. So it's going to be this huge telescope. It rivals the Hubble telescope. And it's doing this very in, important thing around the Big Bang, which is that Hubble was able to get us to peer into the past. So speaking of the timeline and Ghost of Christmas past, I'm not quite sure how telescopes, I, 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 I'm obviously not an astronomer, <laughs> but they can, they can, these telescopes can see because of the way that, that light travels in the time, they can essentially see back in time, but you need a stronger telescope to see farther back. So Hubble was able to give us what the universe looked like about 13.4 billion years ago. Um, when the galaxy was just kind of starting. But what we're going to see with the Webb Space Telescope is back 13.7 billion years. And those 300 million years are uh, really key to understanding additional information about what happened in the Big Bang, what the galaxy looked like, and how it changed during those 300 million years past where we were able to see with the Hubble. Um, so... Big Bang, again, Simon Singh's going to be writing, going to update his book. He's hopefully going to have a whole lot of new information because this telescope is going to be telling even going farther back than we saw even with with the Hubble. And hopefully it will be uh, will be focused. I think there was a problem with the Hubble when it first got out there, right? <laughs> that they had to like refocus. Well, I, I was going to go with a little trivia here because it's going to be so far uh, in what they call the Lagrange point where – the gravity, it's not affecting it. And that's why it's its able to stay there. It's pulled equally from, uh, you know, the, the, the sun and the, the hurt gravity and the moon. And, I mean, there is a kind of a triangulation going on there. But if something goes wrong, we can't send the space shuttle to fix it like we did with the Hubble. So okay. it's, it, it's a big bet because it's going, to, it's going to be really, really, really far, which, as you said, it allow us to see um, much more far away in time. And, and it's going to be an infrared. So it's yes. away, so. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think, a lot of crossing fingers because it's expensive. It's incredibly expensive, this thing. Yeah, lo loads of parts on that, I would imagine. Tons yeah. of technology. Not just yeah. getting it up there and, and the telescope itself, but 
it, yeah, being able to, to extract the data and, and and tune it or focus it if you need to, right? That kind of stuff. And yeah. the mirror, this this the largest mirror that's ever been launched. It's apparently covered in a layer of gold that's yeah. two hundred times thinner than a, a human hair, and that that's what allows it to see in the infrared and through the space dust. Which is amazing. <laughs> it, it, it is all amazing. I, I've been reading Does about it. Does it have windshield wipers? <laughs> Does it Keep, rain in space? I don't know. Hmm. Isn't that thing called uh, dust, like solar dust? So Space one, dust. Space I, mud. Now I'm just, what, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, the, the guy, <laughs> the, guy, the hitchhiker galaxy, a uh, guy <laughs> to the universe thinking there'll be some some alien um, civilization that maybe go around cleaning <laughs> windshield at the traffic lights. And then they ask for a tip after. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Making a living in space. So is there, Marco, you study this. Is there something? I wouldn't say I study it, <laughs> but I, I like to read about it. Uh, we go back to the Big Bang and we talk about the Big Bang. And now I guess we're going to get even, have even more information about what happened and, and what happened right after it. But what was there before the Big Bang? <laughs> uh, this is a question for philosophers, and I think that that's a exactly... small sparkle. A small sparkle. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, the I, other I, end I, of the fuse, maybe. I don't know. It, it's amazing how you know ignorance is bliss sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes. But then we we need to know, right? And we we go, we explore, and we ask questions, and then we realize we're kind of following the thread to understanding, I don't know, maybe the meaning of life. <laughs> and again, I go back to the hitchhiker galaxy, uh, guide to the galaxy. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like a lot of people are like, okay, great. There is a big bang, which uh, show me that uh, you're proving the existence of God, because if nothing was before the big bang, who created the big bang, which is exactly a question that, that you have. So there are many different theories. And again, don't quote me as a professor of, of uh, space physics or anything, but some are talking about expansion and contraction of the universe. Some mm -hmm. others say that there are other parallel universe where this universe came, but it's, it's just, every time I think about it, I'm like, ah, it, it's, it's going to be the mystery of, uh, of life and everything. <laughs> I, uh, I, and everything. I think at a certain point, you got to believe what you want to believe. I, I don't know how far back you can go. Uh, and that's easy to mis mislead and use the information to justify pretty much anything you believe in. Um, I'm simplifying we're gonna, it. We're going to crowdsource here. that through uh, through metaverse AR, AR and VR stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We're all going to work together to figure it out. Yep. So we can live through on, it. Put on your goggles. <laughs> watch it. Watch it unfold in in real time, or not? I guess not real time because it takes millions of years. So we we're gonna have to speed that up so people can experience the Big Bang in yeah. VR. And and about the unfolding part, if I if I remember well, when I saw some simulation, it really looks, and I think it was studied as an origami, so that it can be all packed in in a vector mm. that bring it to outside of the atmosphere, and then being able to just unfold into this how shape many, of a duck. Yeah. Or a, or a unicorn <laughs> or, or a galaxy <laughs> or a galaxy itself. Yeah. Or, it's, or a telescope. It's, it's really, I wonder if other species think about it because it seems like the human species really wants to figure stuff out. You know, we want to understand what the shadows are and the, yeah. So let's, let's make a bigger telescope and see if we can go even farther back. I wonder if other species get so obsessed with trying to understand the physical world around us, not just our, our planet, but the galaxy and the universe. Um, I wonder if they, they wonder about that or if we're one of the only, because we, we don't know. I mean, they might, they might be thinking that way, dogs and cats and, we don't know. Or is it just humans? We don't know. You you mentioned the giraffes Simpsons. think about it all the time. Who? Giraffes. Who giraffes. Giraffes. <laughs> giraffes. They do giraffes. think about the yeah. meaning of life and, and the, the origin of the universe. They're closer to the, exactly. the heavens, too. 
exactly. Yeah, you know, when they do chew on those trees, they, they look like they're very pensive. <laughs> they, maybe maybe they know more than what we think. I think so. I think that there's a lot going on in giraffes. Those two little antennas, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what kind of signals are they got in? Are they getting into? Um, yeah, uh, I, I I honestly don't see any anything negative about this. Although I know that a lot of people, again and again, we we bring this up, think that we should invest that money in in doing something for the planet instead mm-hmm. of uh, going all the way up there and investing billion of dollars. But I I I keep saying that we do this in the interest of the planet and and knowing ourselves. So I support that. And uh, I don't know. What, 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 what do you guys think? Well, what is it? It's, it was a 10, yeah, 10 billion, which I, I realized that through one lens saying 10 billion, it's not that much. Sounds ridiculous because it's obviously a huge, huge amount of money. But when you look at all the money that we do invest in in um in programs like the arts and science that i think that 10 billion to be able to go back this extra 300 million years and maybe learn even more about the origin of of where we live this galaxy that we live in i i think that that could be arguable argued as a as money well spent yeah. uh it's only worth it if we can get to 400 million years back and it's not worth it was it wasn't elon musk was paying this year more than that in taxes alone so (laughs) sure was it like you know wait he's not one of those ones that doesn't pay a lot of taxes Uh, no i I guess he ended up uh, having to sell a lot of stock on tesla just to pay taxes i don't feel sorry about it because it probably has so much more than that but i don't know if you put it in perspective uh, and then you look at, I don't know, I don't want to get polemic here, but the money that is now they're finding out that is being taken by uh, the the COVID found, we're talking about billions of dollars that have been stolen. Um, yeah. So are we bitching about that, about, you know, doing something good for, for humanity? I'd rather spend it into a telescope like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I agree, not getting political, but yeah, the reading about some of the fraud that went on with the fund, I just it's sick. Come on, people. You know, yeah. there are people some some small businesses, some family really needed that money. And then there the the folks that didn't need it and just fraudulently were, well, I can get it and did the money grab. That's just very depressing. Yep. Yep, for sure. It's but you know what is gonna help us in conversation here. What hmm? then? It's a very uplifting conversation. Uh. No. <laughs> no. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you got to be objective. That's why we're doing this. I don't think people are expecting us just to be like all glitters and, and shiny lights. I mean, we, we got to make some points. And then all of a sudden we go back and, and ask big question like, where is Santa or the Delph? Which I'm assuming is to do something with, I the, know, like with some the elf, cool elf, which by the way is one of our favorite Christmas movie together with like Home Alone Will, and Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Carol yeah, Ka- loves that one. It's like we already seen it already this year. So, but so I think it's the last time. <laughs> do, do you know why candy canes were invented? No. In addition to being one of Elf's four food groups, <laughs> yeah, like candy corn, like syrup and stuff. <laughs> no, why? They were clear, like uh, peppermint sticks that were uh, developed. I think it was in Germany to keep the children quiet during church, and oh. then there was concern about well, you're giving candy to kids, and there's nothing really religious about it. So they put the hook on the top, so it would be like the shepherds um, came. Yeah. Sad. Look at that. That's well, a great trivia for the holiday. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and they added glue so that they can glue? shut them up. <laughs> <laughs> to keep their mouths. <laughs> no. Make it really, really sugary so that the lips will just stick one to another. <laughs> I, sugar, I like it. The sugar would hype them up, you'd think. But... <laughs> well, that's why they're made with mint. I guess they're home yeah. at that point. So Yeah. It's yeah. not the... I think stuff got sugary problem. later on in, in as we were progressing into 
discover how addictive sugar is. But yeah, I, I like that story. So that, that yeah, one of the the four uh, food groups. So, Sean, tell me about this. Does, uh, I'm just wondering, <laughs> does it is it only white and red, or does, is green okay? What about multi? I think green is okay. What about blue I've and yellow and green? I think you do whatever you want. Yeah, you just add a, a very very uh, bad um, chemical. That color, <laughs> colorant, and you do whatever you want. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like just like I think whatever you know, decorating color schemes you want to be doing for your holiday celebration. I think that if you want your 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 candy in different colors, then sure. I mean, why not? I mean, sh if you want it traditional, sure, the red and the white. But you know, purple candy canes, why not? Well, you know that. Yes. The red Santa that we all know was a big uh, advertisement stunt that created then the image of Santa to be like this. But I think the original Santa, which wasn't even too nice from what I, I understand from the the Nordic mythology, it it it, uh, it would like take bad kids away from the family. So it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, like the green stories and the, the green brother stories. But I think it was originally red. And then when, when advertising started coming up, I believe it was Coca-Cola that started using this jolly Santa in 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 then that's when it become what we what we believe it is now. And uh and here we are. And then they created bad Santa. And that's right. Then we got Bad Santa, which is, from what I understand, one of your favorite movies. It's, it's right oh. up there. There you go. There you go. A peek inside my head. Is that why <laughs> I like the elf and you like the delf? <laughs> is that the opposite so of the, the elf? elf? What is it? The, the, uh, the anti elf. So, delf, it's nothing that you're thinking of. But, uh, of course. So, I'm going to, I'll draw some, some dots here. So, there's the the I Love New York taxi display on Fifth Avenue. That's my avatar. It's part of the holiday series that they put up. The that's the taxis are to deliver people, right? Get people moving around. My tech is around bringing stuff around to people, and I I think the a lot of people. I don't know how many. I don't know if. Two of you expect you, you place an order and you expect it to show up like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> two days, one day, two hours, whatever the whatever the time frame is. Uh, there's one company. I'm not going to give them a name drop here. One company has a huge infrastructure to make that happen, and they kind of kind of stranglehold smaller retailers uh, to that want that capability of getting their stuff in the hands of their, their consumers quickly and on time and, and uh, without incident. And so they offer that platform to get stuff around. But the question is what else can we do with that? So there's cross country, international deliveries, uh, local deliveries, uh, there's in this article, uh, it's from the BBC and it's, it's connected to, getting gifts around this time frame to people and, and the logistics required to make that happen in, in time for a special day, right? Um, there's talk of drones, but uh, mm -hmm. there's only pilots for that. Um, clearly, the, the drone technology, once it gets through any of the, the regulatory issues involved, um, might be limited to hyper-local uh, things I don't know how far they can travel with with loads of goods on them or in them hanging from them whatever um, and then there there's talk of other other companies besides this big behemoth creating platforms to to manage trucks and carts and Marco I remember a while back I don't know if we talked about it on this show but the the uh, the little bot cart that you mm -hmm. saw near your house delivering stuff that was right? so cute. <laughs> um, but there, there's this other technology as part of the article and that's what I wanted to focus on and it, it's it's less about the distribution though it connects to it in that there's a company that that's working with manufacturers distributed around 
the globe to actually create the stuff locally. So if somebody from the UK in this example wants to buy something uh, or, yeah, which direction? Somebody mm -hmm. in Australia wants to buy something that's sold by somebody in the UK, there could be a manufacturer in Australia that actually produces and then delivers that item locally. So it cuts down on, on the shipping costs and, and all the other stuff. So, so two things that I wanted to kind of touch on is, are we, are we expecting too much uh, as a society for immediate satisfaction with, with things and, and how can we deliver that in a sustainable way using technologies such as this one where you're actually creating it locally instead of shipping it all over the place? And I don't know, thoughts on drones or, or uh, big behemoths controlling the infrastructure. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll leave it there. So I actually, do you guys, do, do you remember Cosmo? Cosmo. It K-O-Z-M-O. No, no. Seinfeld? No. Cosmo.com, K-O-Z-M-O. It was around the very late, oh, yeah. Yeah, late yeah, yeah. 90s, right? They're very early oddies. Um, and I mean, it was amazing. If you lived in one of the cities, I think it was like New York, Los Angeles, Boston, Atlanta. But if you lived in one of the cities, I lived in Boston at the time, they would deliver pretty much anything you wanted within an hour which was incredible. I think they kind of went out of business partly because their model was a little bit zany. Like if you wanted a stick of gum, you could order it you know, and they would, somebody would deliver it in an hour. I think at the very kind end. Of got carried away with the promise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they, they were starting to build distribution centers and it was really so here, you know, 20 plus years ago. And I mean, it was, it was, great it was really nice to be able to have things very quickly and in cities the they people were using bikes they were walking to do they do deliveries just in their own area uh, and they would uh, use public transportation so it was kind of nice because it was it it was early gig economy stuff but people didn't have to be part of a big you know the big monolith they could be basically jobbers and say yeah i'll take that so sort of like task rabbit equivalent and, mm -hmm. and do things which i thought was really that was really very very cool um i like this other idea too of also bringing in what if we can start making things close by like i mean i don't know if it's like 3d printing or things like that or if it was sort of like then i start thinking about um yeah bartering and do we could we bring etsy i like the idea of having services that maybe can't do ever obviously can't do everything that the big platforms with the big distribution centers can especially if you buy a, a a national grocery store that becomes a huge distribution network for you on top of what you have uh, but i love this idea of having the ability to bring back people getting things pretty quickly but let giving jobs for local people and maybe even creating an opportunity to buy things that you couldn't buy um, on, you know, from a big platform, I guess, you know, unique can't made things. Yeah. Cause the other thing that, that comes to mind as I'm thinking about it though, is that you, somebody wants something fast. Um, maybe they have to pick a brand from the behemoth that, uh, can deliver fast and, and you kind of leave the small, small fry in the dust. Yeah. Right. If they don't have the, the ability to produce and, and deliver immediately. I'm just wondering if we kind of in, in the future world, are we going to end up with stuff that's the same from everywhere or will we, I don't know, will we have to pay more for the, for the uh, boutique items that we, that we really want? I, I'm just here thinking that this, we could do, 10 panels on this subject and <laughs> and because there, there is so many different aspects and, and you kind of bring them many of them up you know there is the distribution the logistic the communication the way that we want things fast and it, it kind of make me think of why do we want things fast it kind of started with information sharing right so i'm thinking 
you know, we, we had the delivery of the mail and then we needed foster. So instead of maybe carriages, we start using the Pony Express and it was more expensive, but extremely faster. And then we got the telegraph. And then from there we got, you know, things like, you know, the internet and now drone or all the things you said. And, and now we're like, I don't know you, but sometimes I feel guilty by saying this, but I've picked an object about another on Amazon just because one will get here earlier. And mm. maybe I didn't really need it the next day. I could have easily waited <laughs> freaking two weeks. It's just this idea of like Sean, what you said is I want it all. I want it now. Right. And, and, and I'm ready to pay even more money for that. So maybe is, is it just because we don't think about it? There's, there's two parts, right? There's we're either not planning or we're just not thinking and we just act. And Mostly there's a combination of those two. That well, there is, play. there is that, uh, I don't know, quick, uh, what, what's the word in English? Um, <laughs> like fast, uh, not satisfaction. Uh, I'm, I'm blocking on, there's actually a word that's like immediate gratification. Instant gratification. There you go. Yeah. Instant gratification. Sorry. Uh, that that's what I meant. Thank you. And and sometimes is it, it it goes against quality. You know, my grandfather used to say, uh, you know, things well done and done fast, they don't go together. <laughs> you know, and I'm telling you things like the thoughts from 40, 50 years ago, and uh, it's it's kind of right. I don't know the email. You know, what about the time we used to wait weeks to get a letter back? And now we're like, hey, I just send you an email. Yeah, I know. Why? Why did you send me a text? You already sent me a fucking email. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like oh, everything is immediate now. And, and then there is the fact that you said, Sean, about creating opportunity all over. But I love that. Like, what if you can share the the way you know the the patent to do something, and you reproduce it on a three D printer or whatever process, and you you just give the way to do it to local business so you cut all this infrastructure of of networking and that we see very clearly now during the pandemic that you know that, that i was listening to npr yesterday on how santa's delivery it's screwed up because of the pandemic like you know nike has companies in vietnam and so they they there was covid cases so they they are behind production and so their goods to cost more they're not going to arrive for christmas and why not be able to build it somewhere else as well big questions yeah they they are and it's it's like it's interesting too because there's the building something fast or making something fast versus delivering it fast and once something's ready to go i could see people wanting to have it be delivered fairly quickly. Although sometimes if it's a very unique thing that's been built or created, there may be only a couple of them. So they're not at every distribution center on the planet so that you're not within that like one hour delivery zone or four hours or, or 24 hours, whatever, where you live. And, um, so it, it is, it's, it's kind of two things, right? Like how quickly do we want things to arrive once they've been created, but then also, do we want to have something that's been built very quickly rather than something that took a long time to build? And then I also think about a third aspect of this, which is that despite all of the infinite, uh, it feels like there's so much to buy on the large retail sites that, you know, you, you put in something like, you know, cotton shirt, and it's like, here are a thousand different like options for you there's actually this kind of illusion of choice because there isn't really as much, um, you, there's not a lot of originality in what you're buying. It all gets very samey, samey if you look at it. And if you go to a, a, a store that's not in the zone of like these big platforms, that's where you actually get some unique creative um, options. So that's kind of a thing that happens too, is that it feels like we've got so much choice but a lot of really wonderful art and, and, and creative clothing and jewelry and things like that, art, artwork itself, 
you, you can't get on the big platforms. You have to go to a smaller one. Well, I think the value of Etsy and other yeah. platform like that is exactly that. Is it? Yeah. Some people they do want things that are unique, but if you go into Etsy and yell at the the, the small artisans that is producing something because it can't deliver as fast as Amazon, you're missing the point. Yeah, and I've I've actually that's true. Grabbed a few things on Etsy uh, recently, and I didn't care when it arrived because it was something that I yep. there was a, a different connection to it other than get it here as fast as possible. Yeah, right. It, it's a it's a different feeling again. You know, right. you understand that there is is not you know maybe it's hand is handmade. It takes more time. Maybe yep. they they don't have a storage of things ready because it's a small shop, so they do it on. On request, and if yeah. it's going to take a month, don't you want to have something special that take a month? Compare with something that everybody else has, and it's it's not what makes it unique. Well, yeah, big questions. That's the other thing. Sorry, Dan. I just quickly because the, the, the I think there's a, a potential for just-in-time manufacturing. This article doesn't touch on it, but presumably there are a thousand options for T-shirts. There's probably I don't know how many of those sitting of thousands of each sitting in a, in multiple distribution centers somewhere, right? Um, how, how much waste is that? Mm. I don't know. Is, is there value in in huge manufacturing of all those things? That, I don't know how if, that, if if it's better for the environment to do just in time, where we're not wasting wasting material and and production. Uh, machinery and oil and gas and electricity or whatever it takes to, and, and obviously human labor. We don't want to mess with that, but I don't know. Just the impact of mass production versus small runs or one-off just-in-time runs. But you do have a good point about time delay. And look, I'm just going to get out there and say this. Um, I have purchased a shirt from taylorswift.com. Uh, because look, I, I admit it, I'm I'm a Swifty, um, and what what always strikes me in, about in it, Infosec Taylor Swift, that's <laughs> another real one. Straight up Taylor Swift, right. yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, but but anyway, that what's interesting is that the way it works is that Taylor will will say these are the things that you can buy from whatever record she's she's promoting at the time. You know, here's the cardigan from from the for the song cardigan, and then you have to wait six to eight weeks before they ship your merchandise. And for the cardigan, based on her song cardigan, um, the cardigan from cardigan, uh, that actually took four months to get to me. And like, you just kind of, you go in this and I, I think that what they're doing, I don't know, cause Taylor doesn't check with me on these things, but um, <laughs> I think what they're doing is that they create the concept of these are the shirts that you can buy. These are, this is the, you know, the cardigan, the pop sockets, whatever. And, and they wait and see who orders it. And then they go out and actually manufacture mm -hmm. to the orders. And uh, sure, Taylor Swift is, is such a big name and pe people are willing to, to wait, but it is kind of, does kind of raise the question to what you're saying, Sean, is that, okay, maybe eight weeks is a long time, but if people knew this is better for the environment, here is a shirt you could buy once I know you want to buy it. Now I'm going to actually light up the resources to generate that shirt and know that I'm going to make the amount of shirts that actually people want. So we don't have, as you were talking about stuff sitting in, um, sitting in distribution centers, just growing mold or whatever. So, so maybe, maybe that's how that's maybe when you see that with Taylor Swift. <laughs> that's when you cross the line between mass production and, and custom production and, and, and yeah. add value to that. And, you know, and I'm, I'm picturing somebody going into a shop in the middle age of an artist, like, I don't know, but Rocchio and, and said, do, do you got anything ready that I can buy now? Or do you want to made by, I don't know, Michelangelo? Cause you're going to wait a few years for that. <laughs> You know, I, I'm just saying this is a, this is a joke in an extreme, but that's uh, that's kind of what it is. And you're okay. You, you uh, it add value to the fact that yeah. you have to wait four months for it. And, and that said, you being a Swiftie, just okay. I, I, I'm gonna digest that one. She, she's a, she's a great songwriter, but I would say I wouldn't wait for Michelangelo. I would wait for Raphael. 
Okay. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't wait for Taylor Swift. I could never wait for Metallica. Like I'll that. tell you, the shirts are a beautiful soft cotton. I really I'm, recommend I'm them. Sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I have a Metallica shirt from a concert that is horrible. I'm not wearing it because it's so, you know, like one of those sandpaper shirts. So uh, yeah. I have, I, have a, I have a DEFCON shirt that's the same. Improve the quality, yeah. please, because I'm I like, not. Well, I like my skin too much. <laughs> the sandpaper alternative <laughs> exactly now these are great conversation I, i'm gonna jump into what is left here for for my news because i i feel like and i want this to be clear we absolutely if you haven't figured out your audience we do not plan we're, we're crazy this. we oh. we just get on three minutes before that's why we're always late and each one has a news that we have no idea. But I feel like this one, they all get connected. They were all nicely connected one to the other. And, and mine, I'm going to make a joke. Like maybe we want things fast and we want a distribution strategy and method and, and, and the ways deliver perfect because we are used to Santa Claus and, yeah. and, they, he delivers everything in one night. So that's the big mystery of how he does it. Either you believe in, in Santa or your religion or now you'll watch the movies. And, you know, there are problems with the lads here and there. You need a, a red-nosed reindeer to get on. But he, he gets it happening, <laughs> you know. And, and when the nightmare before Christmas, uh, you know, skeleton get in, he can't get it done. And then Santa that's, has to That's the original off. gig economy, right? All the elves. Exactly. The so maybe <laughs> our expectation is set so high by this, you know, this this dude that goes around and, and helps working all day long, all year long to produce mass distribution stuff. Is there now, an I'm elf union? About, yeah, <laughs> but it should be. No, he's a nice guy, I think. But my, my news is, is you know, what Norda is, right? Sorry, the NORAD. A NORAD, yes. Yeah, NORAD. <laughs> Today I'm more Italian than any other day. Um, so there is a... The NORAD, NORAD is so rad. Truck <laughs> Santa. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the history of this because it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of cute. And I, I don't know if you guys know about this one. But you know you can go online and uh, and you can see where Santa is on on Google Map and and you know that he's going through the time zone and delivering everything and it wasn't like this years ago when he started so the the origin story it's kind of cool because apparently on December twenty fourth nineteen forty eight the United States Air Force issued a communication claiming that an early warning radar net to the north had detected an, an undefined an in, unidentified sleigh powered by a reindeer at 14,000 feet heading 180 degrees down and it pretty much is what the, the report to make kids believe in, in Santa Claus by by uh, the military, the United States Air Force and then from there um, apparently Sears are making advertising with a phone number that you could call Santa's. And uh, the legend said that the kid did the, the phone number wrong and he reached this colonel at, at what it was at the, at the name at the time called Conet, which is where this colonel, Harry Shoup, answered the phone and he pretended to go with a joke and telling people where where Santa Claus was. And, and then he went to volunteers answering the phone so kids could call in and say, where is Santa? And they will give us like this location. So it's like, oh, it's coming your way and so forth. And then with the internet, we started following that. And um, we outsourced it. It's <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's kind of cool. It, it, even if you, Either you believe it or not, which I kind of do. It's uh, it, it's kind of cool to to believe for one night, and again, it doesn't matter what you believe in. It's uh, it's kind of magical. So it, it there is a good question. I mean, should we be using because NORAD is part of the U.S. military, right? Like, should does it make? I I do. I think it's 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 really sweet and it's nice for kids who 
want to follow Santa, you know, to be able to see how the technology can be used to quote, follow Santa. But I guess there is the question of, um, is, is that like, should the government be getting involved with promoting Santa or is it just a nice, a nice thing for kids? Is that network air gapped from the other? (laughs) They're protecting Santa. (laughs) They're offering air, air space protection. Shut down. That that's a good point. Like we're announcing where Santa is, which is a, a privacy risk for Santa. <laughs> there you go. He can't maybe stop should... for a coffee break anywhere. Uh, maybe we need to call our friends from the aerospace uh, village at DefCon and have a conversation with them and see how they. <laughs> you know, I have spoken Sean too, and and I'm sure Diana. We many people have worked in the military and I'm, I'm just going to make one name of a person that I really, really love JJ snow that mm. uh, I hope she hears this. She's, she's doing well. And then she joins back in the new year because uh, I love our show so much. And, and the, the conversation that we were doing with her was about how the military is for doing good. It nowadays mm. people that go into the service, they want to help they don't want to go to war. Nobody want to go to war. At least they don't. You know? But you want to go in an area where you can help and, and put a smile and build a, build a well and give a way to make food and, and protection come with it. So if the military can put a smile on a kid's face, um, yeah. why not? Maybe we are too rigid about the structure of what it should be. I mean, these guys are humans and are unbelievable humans. We know a lot of them in this industry. So... Um, that that was a big lesson that I learned from JJ when I, when we interviewed her for the first time. Yeah, yeah, just the fact that uh, in between uh, wars, they're actually investing in infrastructure and training and education and good things yeah. for uh, for communities where they where they happen to be stationed. So it's it's pretty cool. So I guess that's the answer. <laughs> Forty two. So it's forty-two. And by the way, I think a lot of a lot of them are just volunteers. They may not even necessarily be military. I mean, it becomes a kind of an organization that it's 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 following this tradition and and it just puts smiles on on people, you know, yeah. kids' face. It's kind of cute. And uh, and again, I, I don't I don't even feel it's the Santa movie is really not about any kind of religion I wanted to keep doing that. I mean, Santa itself, it's, it's, it doesn't belong to any, if anything, it belongs to Nordic mythology, but it, it, it is a, an ambassador of, of uh, except for bad Santa, Sean. It, it is an ambassador of, uh, of the spirit of, of the season of, you know, making a smile on and helping and, and be there for each other and be together and, and all of that. That's why I, you know, I decided to bring it up and and, and leave it very universal message. Um, I think that's the important part of now it. Listen, bad Santa puts a smile on this kid's face. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And I feel like Santa, modern Santa, is a little less stalkery. You know, there is there's a much bigger emphasis on you know he sees you when you're sleeping. You know, he knows when you're awake. He knows you've been better. Yeah. Whereas I, I feel like. The, I feel like now we sort of modernized Santa and, and, and Santa and, and Mrs. Claus, just the whole Santa complex is a little bit uh, kinder <laughs> and, and more about yeah, believing in warmth and goodness than it is about judging or giving you coal. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree with that. And, and there was an article a few days ago about these uh, two actors, uh, a man and a woman that plays santa and mrs santa and they do uh digital you know virtual calls with kids and group of yeah. kids and and uh and the the headline was kind of like that mrs santa is uh taking the spotlight so it's yeah. actually <laughs> taking over and i i just i just love that i i you know why not you know there's always been a mrs santa in the background who knows doing what and now she's like stepping in and i i just love that she's getting it done yeah i'm sure that's if santa does what he does is because mrs Their santa team. gets stuff in check yeah 
That's right. They're a team. <laughs> exactly. 50-50. And, yeah. and um, yeah, them and the, and the Delph. So, <laughs> Delph. Stuff <laughs> Delph. The Delph on the shelf. Exactly. And the, the drone. Delivery. I wonder how Santa's used technology. Drone elves. Delivery elves. Yeah, with the, like, that's another thing that's changed with the modern Santa is that you see a lot of in the newer specials and shows about Santa, there's a whole lot of technology to enable Santa to to get it done in all one night, which I, I was enjoy the different like conceptual like one there's one about two elves do all the prep work for Santa. So that's how Santa can do it so quickly is that they've got all this technology measuring things and figuring out exactly the right angles so that Santa can get in and get out really fast. <laughs> it's just a mystery like because it is so like overweighted and you know how does it go inside the chimney and then get out and but then he goes right. in and eat cookies i'm like well yeah of course come on man. yeah it's a lot of cookies <laughs> but he's an elf so i don't know maybe he, his metabolism is very different than ours well you know what we could finish for once we have four minutes to go for the hour and um I do believe we'll we'll do another recording next week, but this is probably the second last episode of of the year. So um, I don't know. What do we wish for for the holiday or for the new year? Uh, really quickly, Diana. I wish that we won't be talking about COVID next year. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it's going to get go to endemic. We've got enough, uh, uh, you know, treatments for it, and that it will not keep messing up plans after next year. That's a good wish. You stole mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'll augment that with uh, with health and prosperity mm -hmm. attached to that same wish that you presented, Diana. All right. I want to add to that technology because this is what we talk about on the Tech Vine. And I, my wish is that technology is used more and more for, for good, for society, for the environment. And, uh, and, and I think that, yeah, as I want, of course, like you, this pandemic to end. That's why I'm not mm -hmm. visiting my family in Italy right now. Is mm -hmm. that uh, maybe we, we learn a lesson. The lesson that technology is part of our life. It can help. Uh, it help kids to to learn in school remotely. It help us to be close to each other. Um, I was kidding the other day. Like, I don't have real friends because I, everything <laughs> I do in the past two years is is on Zoom and, <laughs> and Streamyard and everything. But you know what? I I have learned that it doesn't need the presence. It's, we are always there, you know, for each other, and even if we're not in person. So maybe, maybe there is a redefinition of society, and uh, and I don't know. Maybe my wish is that everybody has equal access to it. Uh, kids that mm. can't uh, get to it, and and that they haven't been able to follow schools and and in contact with friends, maybe because their bandwidth at home didn't yeah. allow it, or they didn't have a computer and the technology that we, we start thinking of that as part of our life and again, use it for good. So yeah. that's the tech vine thought. Or... That is the tech vine thought. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, whatever it is, your holidays, non-holidays, we hope you have a, a relaxing time with family and friends and, um, and uh, yeah, thanks for uh, joining us this year for all these episodes and uh yeah yeah best wishes to everybody and their families and friends and and uh we'll see you one more time before the end of the year yeah <laughs> and for being passionate with us as we improvise <laughs> as, as, as we go as we, we, as we hope we, as we figure out what we're doing when we still yeah, do right. we, we hope we make you think and we keep you company if you, if you need it and if not um we're still going to keep going anyway. We have fun. <laughs> keep each other. <laughs> We're your friends, Marco. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and if you guys are my friends, friends. my audience, your audience, leave some comments. We, we like to know that you're there. And that you're doing all right. So yeah. with that, play the music, Sean. Let's peace out. Peace. Peace.
Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.